Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version updated. John 20, 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the marks of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, because we know that you're going to speak to us through it. We ask, O Lord, that you will add your blessing to this reading and that you will speak, O Lord, what we need to hear from you on this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to share it together here in your house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture takes us to the evening of Easter as the disciples are behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. A lot of people don't realize that that day of Easter was a busy day. We really have scriptures for three different episodes taking place on that day. We have the discovery of the empty tomb in the morning with the women, and we have the walk to Emmaus in the middle of the day into the evening, and then we have this scripture about Jesus appearing to his disciples. It was such a full day that when we talk about the Easter time and the preaching schedule, we spread these scriptures over three weeks. So we get to celebrate Easter for several weeks because we are, we're trying to cover all of the angles on this incredible story of the resurrection of Jesus. So it is the first day of the week the disciples are behind closed doors because they are afraid 
of the Jews. We have to understand that the fear that the disciples were experiencing was very real. It wasn't just a phobia. It wasn't just inside their head. They had just killed Jesus three days before. They knew all of the torture that Jesus was put through. They knew about the lashes. They knew about the crown of thorns. And of course, they knew about the crucifixion. If the Jews had instigated such violence against Jesus, what was to stop them from instigating that same kind of violence against the disciples? What was to stop them from saying, you know, we took care of Jesus, now let's take care of his followers so that nobody steps up to the leadership role. He, he did have some guys that hung around with him. Let's find each and every one of them, and if we eliminate them, we'll put an end to this whole follower of Jesus stuff. We will just end it right here. So their, their, their fear of the Jews was very real. The Jews had opposed them everywhere they went because Jesus' message was so radical that the chief priests and the Jewish scribes and even the Pharisees could just not take on the message of Jesus. He taught about turning the other cheek instead of an eye for an eye. He told them that they had to love their enemies and even pray for them. He taught them about forgiving others and being gracious, even when they were caught in sin like the woman in adultery. And this was just too much for them to handle. Jewish leaders had seen Jesus as a threat to their way of faith, to the Jewish understanding of the law. They understood him as a threat to their power and their control, and they also saw him as a threat to their authority. How do you think they would look upon the disciples of Jesus if that's how they saw him? This is all what, that is going on in their heads. If they did this to Jesus, what will they do to us? And I don't know about you, but if people are looking to kill me, I would be behind locked doors too. I would be trying to be safe and protect myself, it would be only natural for us to lock the door behind us to keep those who are trying to cause us harm from coming inside. And as the disciples are stewing in their own fear of persecution, in their own fear of what could happen to them, Jesus appears to them with the words, Peace be with you. It was probably the best words that they could have ever received in a moment of fear. Peace be with you. But something tells me that they weren't ready to receive these words. The fact that Jesus had to repeat them over and over again. You know, when I tell my kids something and they don't get it and I have to repeat it, it means they didn't get it the first time or the second time. Or the third time, so I just keep repeating it until it makes it through. And I think Jesus with his disciples realized that just saying it didn't make it so for them. That they were still afraid, that they were still concerned. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he breathed on them and told them to receive the Holy Spirit and all the authority that came with it. If you forgive the sins of any, they're going to be forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they're going to be retained. Well, you would think these words would have been very comforting. 
The peace of God be with you. Well, everybody would be like, and also with you. We love that stuff, right? But then when we look closely at what Jesus tells them, he tells them, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And this would have been troubling to the disciples. Um, Jesus, didn't the Father send you to the cross? Didn't the Father send you to a people who would reject you? Didn't the Father send you into a world that wouldn't want to accept you as the Messiah and the Savior of the world? Why would we want to be sent in the same way? It sounds like a difficult invitation for them to be sent as the Father had sent Jesus. And how did the Father send Jesus? As a sacrificial lamb as one who was willing to serve and not be served, as one who came to go against the grain and not go with the grain of the religious authorities. And now Jesus was saying, as I was sent, so I am sending you. Well, if they were afraid before these words, they might have been even more fearful after hearing that they were being sent out, just like Jesus had been sent out. Because Jesus had been obedient unto death. And I wonder in my mind if the disciples were willing to be obedient unto death after seeing everything that Jesus went through. I mean, it's one thing to say that you're willing to die for a cause. It's a completely different thing to see what happens to those who believe in that cause and are willing to die for it. They had experienced the crucifixion of Jesus, and that could be them on the cross next. Well, Jesus shared these things with the disciples, and we're told that Thomas, who was a twin, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus appeared to them on that Easter evening. When Thomas returned, the disciples told them, we have seen the Lord we have experienced the risen Savior. He was here with us. And Thomas responded, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and I can stick my hand in his side, I, I'm not going to believe. I just can't believe. Thomas knew that no one walks around with nail marks. So if, if I find nail marks on the guy, that's got to be Jesus. If I find the place that was pierced on his side by the soldiers as he was hung on the cross, then I'll know it was Jesus. Thomas was looking for signs that would make it undeniable that this who had appeared was really Jesus. And he basically says, I got to see it and I got to touch it for myself. Thomas lived with FOMO, fear of missing out. He really did. It is what we experience when we run to the kitchen for some snacks in the middle of our show, hoping we can get them quick enough so we don't miss anything. It is the conundrum that really strikes at us when we have Super Bowls and we don't want to miss the commercials or the show, so when do you go? Fear of missing out is very real. We're afraid that if we focus on something else for any period of time, we will miss something important. And people experience FOMO very really today. 
People don't just want to experience something. They want to be the first ones to experience something. Have you ever seen the premiere of a movie like Star Wars? People will line up the sidewalk and go around the building just to get into the what? To the first showing. To be able to say they were the first ones to be there. They don't want to see the replay or the highlights or the show next week. They want to experience it on the first go around. They really have a fear of missing out. Premieres are not the only place where people have fear of missing out. How many times do we hear of somebody else's experience and go, I wish I had been there for that. I wish I had been there to experience what you experienced. Somebody tells us about their incredible trip or their incredible vacation or something awesome that they went through, and we go, man, I just wish I had been there to see that. Well, Thomas was not going to miss out. He was not going to miss out on the experience of seeing Jesus if Jesus showed up again. He was determined to verify it was really him. So a week later, again in the same house, again behind shut doors, the disciples were gathered and Jesus showed up with the same words as before. Peace be with you. Then he invited Thomas to get his proof. Come, check out the nail marks. Come, stick your hand on my side and see that it is really me. Jesus invited Thomas to go from doubting to believing, to take that journey that we must all take, from questioning to accepting to believing. The journey from doubt to believe is not always an easy one because we all experience doubts. We all have questions. We all have questions that sometimes can't even be answered. And we try to make sense of things that don't always make sense to us. So we try to gather proof. We try to look at evidence. But at the end of the day, there are things that can only be believed by faith, by trusting in the source. Thomas was invited to make that journey from doubt to faith. But Thomas didn't just make the journey, he ran. He said, my Lord and my God, he exclaimed before he could do anything else, he just believed right at that moment. Before him stood the living Jesus, the resurrected Lord. He was no longer missing the experience of the resurrected Jesus. He was there right before him, and he had no doubt that it was really him. Jesus sounded a little disappointed when he talked to him, though. He said, did you just believe because you saw me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Blessed are those who have taken the journey from doubt to faith, which is the belief in that which we hope for but we have not yet seen. You see, all of us here know what that means because we weren't there on Easter evening to see the resurrected Lord. But we are all here today because we believe he was raised from the dead. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. We'd be somewhere else. We are here because we believe the story of the resurrection, because we believe that he really showed himself in bodily form to his disciples, because we believe that what he did means life for us. 
You know, fear of missing out put Thomas in that house with the disciples the whole week. He knew that there was no place he'd rather be than where Jesus could show up. Let me say that again. He knew there was no place he'd rather be than where Jesus could show up. And he knew that the last time Jesus showed up, it was among the disciples, those who believed in him, those who were followers of him, those whom he loved. And so he wasn't taking walks outside. He wasn't running to the store. He wasn't visiting friends. He wasn't going fishing or camping. He was staying put in the place where he expected to see the resurrected Jesus when he showed up. He chose to remain in the house. And part of him strongly believed that if Jesus was going to show up anywhere, he was going to show up there. You know, we're not that different from Thomas. Whenever we gather together to worship God, to praise his name, to read his word, to have it proclaimed, we do so with the expectation that when believers gather, Jesus is present. We believe that God shows up in our midst, but so many people don't understand that. Today, we could use a little bit more of FOMO, fear of missing out. If you knew that the presence of the resurrected Jesus was going to visit this place next Sunday, what would you do? You would mark it on your calendar, put a big circle around the date, highlight it, put reminders on your phone, put it on every calendar, make sure that that whole day was blocked off, that the night before you went to bed early, that the car was gassed up, that you had everything ready for lunch after the service so you didn't have to worry about your meal. You would take care of everything else so that you could focus on being here on Sunday. FOMO would do us a lot of good. The fear of missing out on what happens when the believers gather together for worship. Fear of missing out on what will happen when we worship God together in spirit and in truth. You know, today is the first Sunday after Easter. And it is always both interesting and sad to me that the Sunday after Easter and the Sunday after Christmas are some of the lowest attendance Sundays of the calendar year. Because people come in large numbers on Easter and Christmas, don't they? They don't want to miss the birth of Jesus. They don't want to miss the resurrection of the Lord. But somehow meeting him the next week is not that important. Not for you guys. But for the people that are not here. People come. Because they're expecting to meet Jesus. And somehow the next week meeting Jesus doesn't seem as important. Maybe we do need a little fear of missing out. Fear of missing Jesus if he meets the believers when they gather for worship. Fear of missing out on what Jesus has to tell us that we need to hear 
on this particular day at this particular point in our lives. Fear of missing the miracle that God might want to do on a particular day because we came prepared and ready for what he will do. Fear of missing the wisdom that God wants to give us for our circumstance. Or fear of missing the blessing that God has prepared for us. You know, it always, it always upsets me when I think about that idea that God prepares blessings for us and that often we miss them because we get lazy or we get comfortable and we don't seek those blessings and we're not present to receive them. Fear of missing out should be a part of our life journey because we should always be seeking to be within the will of God and the presence of God no matter where we are or what we're doing. How many times have we missed something God had for us because we did not have enough fear of missing what God had for us? Not enough fear of missing what God had prepared or ordained for our good. You know, God wants to be in relationship with us every single day of our lives and every single moment. And sometimes we miss it because we don't fear missing it enough. Growing up, I remember that friends in school made fun of us, me particularly, because I was in church six days out of seven of the week. I lived across the street from the church, and my dad was a preacher, so it was kind of mandatory anyway. But I went to the women's circles. I went to the prayer circles. Anytime the church was open, I basically crossed the street. And it took a while for me to understand why I went to church so much. And I didn't really understand it until I had my conversion experience. I was always afraid that something cool was going to happen at the church and I wasn't going to be there for it that I was going to miss something, and I didn't want to miss anything that the Lord had for me. You know, I think we need that kind of fear in our lives. We need to fear missing the will of God, missing the blessing of God, missing the, the, the voice of God in our daily lives. Because if you're afraid of missing it, then you'll do everything in your power not to. One of my colleagues recently was teasing me because they took off this Sunday. Sunday after Easter, preachers are burned out, right? We just did Holy Week, and a lot of preachers take the Sunday after Easter off. And they were teasing me because I don't like to do that. And at first, they were like, you know... Church is still going to be standing if you miss a Sunday. And I thought to myself, yeah, they're right. It's still going to be standing. But the question is, will I still be standing if I miss being there? You see, because I see the gathering of believers as a time in which God refreshes my spirit and speaks to me and builds me up in my faith as much as it does you. 
and I believed in the importance of that, I really think that it's healthy to be in church as often as you can be and that we need to seek that in our lives. I hope you have a healthy dose of fear of missing out on what God is doing. That when you think about missing church, you think, ah, I'd rather not. I'd rather miss something else. That when you think about not volunteering, you'll think, nah, I'd rather not. I'd rather be there to be a part of what God is doing. That when you think about not giving something, you think, nah, I'd rather not. I'd rather be a part of the work of the kingdom that God has in place. Because I think that a healthy dose of fear of missing out will lead us to incredible experiences with the Lord because we will be present to experience them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you, O Lord, because whenever we gather together, you are here. Your presence, your spirit is in this place. Lord, it has never been about the numbers of people that are here. It's always been about the heart and the spirit and your presence with us whenever we gather in your name. We ask, O oh Lord, that on this day, we will continue to experience your spirit in this place, that you will call us to yourself so that we will go from doubt to faith, so that we will make the same journey that Thomas took, from doubting to believing and to trusting in you. We ask, O oh Lord, on this day that your life will be our life, and that your word will be in our lips. We just pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is always open if we need to pray about any of these things as we worship together.